podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Mark chapter 10. Last week it started with marriage and children, the question of divorce and the question of how we receive little kids, and those are certainly hard enough. Now, if you remember, when I mentioned the gospel last week, I talked about the fact that there are certain gospels where at the end, when I have to say, this is the gospel of the Lord, it feels particularly awkward. The next set of verses after last week's, the ones we just heard, are exactly those. And he went away sad because he had great possessions. This is the good news of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what are we to do with this passage of this encounter with this rich young man who wants so earnestly for Jesus to tell him what he must do to have eternal life? Well, we could make this text about wealth redistribution and how Canada is on the right path by taking and taxing from the rich and giving it to those who don't have money. Except that if one really looks carefully at this text, it's not really what it's about. Because every gospel text is for all of us. There's no gospel text that is only for the married, only for those who have children, or only for the wealthy. The same is true here. Otherwise, this would be a universal teaching. It would be right there in the Sermon on the Mount. Nobody can have anything. They must depend on other people to give them what they need for day-to-day living. Rather, this is a very specific teaching to this man for a universal problem, a problem that is true of every single one of us. And it might be that if Jesus came to you or to me to deal with the way that particularly universal problem manifests in our lives, the solution might be different. In the case of this rich young man, it was to give away everything he had, specifically to the poor, and then come and follow Jesus. So what's the specific problem? What's the universal problem the way it manifests in each one of us? And why does Jesus tell this rich young man to give away his possessions as the solution to the way that problem manifested in his life? The problem was identity. Who is this man? And what does the world think of this man? How does he have standing before his community? When he gets up in the morning or when he goes to bed at night or he goes about his business at noontime, to whom does he look to find his sense of self? Unlike the previous passage about marriage and children, Jesus loves this man. I don't get the sense when Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees and their whole question about whether man can write a certificate of divorce, or as Jesus addresses the disciples who rebuke the children, that Jesus loves them. He seems to be, as he is in a lot of the passages in Mark, angry. Not in this case. In this case, he looks at this man and he loves him because he is looking for an identity that is bigger than what the world can give him. He has, in the words of St. Augustine, 
a God-shaped hole in his heart. And he is discovering, this rich young man, that following the letter of the law is not solving his problem. Yes, he is rich. But look beyond that for a moment to the fact that he also keeps the commandments. And I don't think he's kidding. When he says to Jesus in response to Jesus saying, well, you know the commandments, honor your father and mother, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not murder. That when he says to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, he is saying that glibly. He means it. He has tried his hardest to be the best possible Jew he can be. And I assume that includes tithing. He's given his 10%, maybe even more to the temple. He's done everything that the law of Moses has laid out before him, and he still feels empty. Something is not clicking. What he's missing is righteousness, true righteousness, an ability to stand before God on his two feet and say there is a relationship between you and me that is good and that is righteous and that is just. I've tried following the commandments. I've tithed. I've, I've done all of these things that Moses told us to do, and I'm still not feeling right in the world or with God. Now, the universal problem, this question of identity, this question of this God-shaped hole in our heart is true for every human being. What's different for all of us is how we fill that hole. For some, it might be their wealth. Who am I in the world? I am the person that can go and eat in any restaurant and not have to look at the prices on the menu. I am the person that can walk into any car dealership and pick anything I want and customize that vehicle any way I want and not have to worry about what the bottom line will be or even having to haggle. But there are other things that we can use to fill that hole, to give us an identity, a purpose in life, to say, this is who I am. It can be our job. Who are you? I am an artist. I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. I work for the State Department. I'm a pastor. I'm a deaconess. That's our identity. It's who I am. It's what gives me purpose in the world. It could be our family. I am a St. Orange. I am a Falstaff. It could be our own children. Who are the parents that post, place all their hopes and dreams and desires on their kids and who they are going to grow up to be? I am the proud parent of a Harvard graduate or a McGill student. Or it could be our culture, our people. I am a Canadian. I'm a Quebecois, I'm an American, I'm Chinese, I'm Indian, I'm Pakistani, I'm Telugu. There are so many different ways we fill that hole. And for each of us, it's different. And if Jesus were standing before any one of us today, he would know exactly what our particular sin is, the way we try and give ourselves meaning in the world. And it would be that thing that Jesus would say, you need to give up. You need to give away. Because as long as you're holding on to it, you cannot be mine.
And profoundly, that is what Luther said when he said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is your God. And you are that God's son or daughter. Son and daughter of money, son and daughter of Canada, son and daughter of proud, successful parents. So what is the good news here? Because up until this point, it doesn't look so great. Well, the good news is what I said right near the beginning of our reflection here this morning, that unlike last week's reading, Jesus looks at this young man and loves him. He wouldn't have been dealing with him otherwise, or he would have treated him differently, except for the fact that he loves him. And he is going to address his particular problem, prompting him to give up his worldly identity in order that he might be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the good news for each and every one of us is first a little bit of bad news, that if we truly are God's sons and daughters, Jesus is going to continue coming after each and every one of us and prompting us to do the same. You will come and sand your false identities down. And through the scriptures, keep reminding you of the things that you need to let go of so that God might be first and foremost in your life. It happened to me something like 30 years ago when God moved me out of Canada and sent me to a foreign country. Because you see, I was a proud Canadian. The world needs more Canada. If only everybody could be Canadian, the world would be a fantastic place. And that was way too much part of my identity, and God knew it. And it wasn't because he hated me that he sent me to another land. It's because he looked at me and loved me and said, I've got to sand that down. I've got to get that out of you so that your identity might not be Canadian, but a follower of Jesus Christ. It's what I still hope to be today. That has to be our identity. Because you see, the world will construct an identity for you if you do not let Jesus give it to you first. Came across a tweet the other day that just illustrated this perfectly for me. It was a pastor, Christian pastor, of a church who said, I am sick to death of the church always turning the other cheek. We need to stand up and fight for our rights. That's how the world constructs its identities, doesn't it? We fight, we bicker, we stand up and complain, we assert our rights. What's coming to us? We're not going to let other people trample us underfoot. We're not going to turn the other cheek to our enemies. We're not going to pray for them. That's what the world does but not a follower of Jesus Christ. And if the world is giving you your identity, you will not understand when Jesus comes to you and says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. But as for you, show kindness to your enemies. It'll be like pouring hot coals on their heads. Turn the other cheek to the one who would slap you. Walk the extra mile to the soldier that would insist you carry their pack. These things don't make sense for people that carry a worldly identity, whether it's their wealth, 
their family, their culture, or their language. It can only make sense for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, who have heard God call us by name, who have become part of his family, who are his sons and daughters. Jesus loves you. He showed you that love on the cross. And that same Jesus who bled and died for you is going to keep pushing you and me to let go of those things that the world says will give you purpose and identity. And instead look to Jesus for our only righteousness and hope. He will keep coming to each and every one of us and asking, what do you need to give away? And so today on this day of Thanksgiving, we will give thanks for material blessings. We'll give thanks for the fact that we have food, however meager or expansive it might be on our tables. We'll give thanks for our homes, for our friends, for our families, for a peaceable place in which to live, for all of those what we call first article blessings the Lord gives to us. But do take a moment as you give thanks to give thanks for the most important thing of all that you are able to stand on your feet and say, I am God's son. I am God's daughter because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for me. We can eat together at his table, set even in the presence of our enemies. We are already in some way in the promised land that even Moses didn't get to enter because we can live in the world midst of strife and anger and be at peace, knowing that God holds us in the palms of his hands. We, in the midst of people that are constantly dealing with guilt, can have clean consciences, knowing that our sins have been wiped clean by Christ. We know who we are. I am God's son. You are God's sons and daughters. And that is an identity that no amount of riches, no amount of birth can ever give you. And only God himself and Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.